at 16, you, you think you know everything, but you're clueless. And by the time you get 54, nobody's coming to your party unless they really mean something to you. So with age, there is a wisdom. It is a perk of aging, not a peril of aging. And I think life just gets better with each and every year. Welcome to Pass the Power with me, Paige Parker. I'm an author, advocate, tiger mom, and even claim a Guinness World Record for traveling the world to 116 countries with my husband, Jim Rogers. We up and left New York City 15 years ago to move to Singapore. Why? Because we believe Asia is the future and we wanted to immerse our daughters in Asia as well as for them to be fluent in Mandarin. Tamin Shaw, Hin Hao, Mama Shaw, Bu Hao. This podcast began during the pandemic because I wanted to offer conversations of hope. And as it evolves, I hope I do too. I'll dig deeper personally and give you more from guests as I continue to tap into my connections, sharing the most compelling stories to help you attain your goals personally and professionally. As a lifelong learner myself, there's little more I enjoy than exploring topics with our fascinating guests and sharing it all with you. So together, we may pass the power. Congratulations on your 54th birthday. How has it been since then? My 54th birthday was last November, so it's been some time now. So far, so good. I'm not using a cane yet, and I'm still saying yes to life. I feel great, and I look forward to many more opportunities and adventures. What's the difference between your most recent birthday as compared to when you celebrated your sweet 16? I think with age, you just appreciate everything so much more. At 16, you, you think you know everything, but you're clueless. And by the time you get 54, nobody's coming to your party unless they really mean something to you. So with age, there is a wisdom. It is a perk of aging, not a peril of aging. And I think life just gets better with each and every year. Tell us how society treated you when you were in your 20s. Well, I think in my 20s, I was in a mad dash to prove myself. And I think it's true of most of us. When we're in our 20s, we're looking to get a promotion. We're looking to make money. We're looking to meet society's expectations, family's expectations. There's a lot of push in our 20s. I was living in New York and I just loved that period of my life in my 20s. It was like I had a finger in my in the electrical outlet and I was just on and I was charged and I was just ready to go. I worked long hours, but I played hard. My 20s were just an incredible time. And I think for most people, they feel that way. It's like, it's like the beginning of the crazy cycle. And you know, you get out of school and you're just excited to kick ass and take names. And that's what I tried to do. What does aging gracefully mean to you? I think it depends on the woman because for some women to age gracefully, it means accepting the folds on their stomach of the fat on their stomach. It means accepting all the lines on their face. It means not being able to do as many sit-ups. It, it means slowing down. That's aging gracefully. It's kind of accepting life without like pushing against it. And then for other people, aging gracefully is about just trying to, to live their truth, but also work really hard not to let the decline defeat them. And it's a tough dance, and every woman has to figure out how she wants to do her aging gracefully. And I think that as women, we shouldn't pass judgment on each other. If she decides to get a facelift and you don't, that's okay. She's living her truth, you're living yours. I mean, let everybody do their own graceful dance. What about your 30s? Did anything improve or get worse? I mean, my 
20s were great, 30s, actually every decade of mine has been pretty incredible. I'm blessed, I know. Of course I've had some like great happen along the way. But overall, when you look at a decade, they've been good. My 30s uh, was about building a family with Jim. I had my two daughters. Uh, we left New York City for Singapore. But for most of us, it's about building a career. It's about finding the right time to start a family. It's about learning to balance work and family. There's still a great amount of external pressure to succeed in the 30s. And I think for women, it's even harder than men because now we're all so well educated and many of us don't want to be stay-at-home moms. We want to actually work professionally, but then we feel great guilt for not spending more time with our children. So there's this dance and this nuance that we have to do as women. I tell all my young friends now, young women who are professionals, to start having their children earlier because what we've done is we've all pushed it back because we're waiting for the right time and the truth is I think if you do it earlier in your career if you have the family a bit earlier then it's easier to jump back in the game because if you're 38 and you've just gotten a great promotion it's like oh I can't have the baby right now because you know I just got this big job so maybe if you do it a little bit earlier it might be easier on the career what is significant in your 40s I think 40s for me, I really found a groove. And Singapore was, I loved New York, but when I came to Singapore, I just felt like this is home. I loved it here. I love, everybody complains about the heat. I love having summer 24 seven, 365 days a year. I'm like so happy here. I found such a great tribe of women, uh, some who work and some who are stay at home moms, none who are like tie ties and don't do anything. All are quite driven. And I just felt that I was in a zone and I was volunteering, I was writing, I was taking care of my family. Uh, my husband was traveling quite a bit through my 40s and so being really hands-on with my children was important because I didn't want to outsource them to helpers. I wanted to do it myself. I guess though the 40s when I think about aging as a woman it's when my metabolism started to slow down. It's an Inevitable, you know, and for women who say it doesn't happen, they're lying. For women who say their hair doesn't turn gray, they're lying. It all starts to happen and it's life. I remember when I was 42, I went to the doctor and um, I think, oh, I know, I had developed a rash and we couldn't figure out what it was. And I had the food testing and we did all this testing and we couldn't figure out what it was. And the doctor, he said to me, well, you know, you've never been 42 before these things can happen. And I was like, what? This is crazy. I mean, but it is. I mean, things change when you age. And uh, I remember a friend telling me, now you can live off a pee a day because your metabolism really slows down. And you used to be able to, to eat and do all these things. And then all of a sudden it kind of starts catching up with you a little bit. You care less what people think you care less about the rules, you care less about societal expectations and the external expectations. So that's something you're not having to sweat anymore. So you have more time to kind of deal with the other things that start happening in your life. So I, I really love my 40s. Again, I've said that I loved every decade, but um, 40s for me were a really good groove. Engage with Paige. If you follow me on Instagram, you know I'm a bit of an exercise nut. After investing time and energy into taking care of my body, mind, and soul. And of late, I'm super keen on UBX or UBOX. It's a combination of boxing and hit. I can take a friend for free on Thursday. Want to join me? And what is the most shocking thing in your 50s? Yeah, the shocking thing about my 50s is that I turned 50. <laughs> it's like 50s old, right? My whole life was, you know 
once you're 50, life is just over. And I guess you get there and you realize that there's this youthfulness to you anymore. It's called middlescence. Instead of adolescence, it's middlescence. Between 45 and 65, you're not young and you're not old. So the new kind of buzz cool world is middlescence. For me, it was hard. Turning 30 was nothing, 40 was nothing, but 50 was like, damn, it's, it's tough. Also, by the time you turn 50, because we're living longer, we still have 30 to 40% of our life left before us. And we're, we're considered old and done, right? But we still have so much life ahead of us. So for me, it took me probably a couple years where I kept telling myself, I feel great, life is good, but it took me a couple years to like really be cool with being in my 50s, it was hard. And that's societal, it's cultural, it's because we, we value youth so much that once you're over 50, yeah, you start to be written off. And also I think once you're over 50, you start thinking about the rest of your life, what you wanna get done, who you wanna see, the places you wanna go, like bucket lists become real. And you just start thinking, I maybe I have 30 years ahead, maybe I have 40 years, most of my life is behind me. So you just start thinking that way, which sounds kind of morbid, but it's a reality. Uh, Rosalind Koo, who was on the podcast in the very first season. She launched her company CXA at age 51, and now it's an insurance tech company. It has over 1 million users, and she's on the way to becoming a female unicorn. And she started when she was 51. She actually started because the companies that she was working for, male-led, wouldn't invest in this. And so she took all of her savings, her husband's savings, and she started this company at age 51. And she's doing remarkable things. I think we really have a problem with aging and women in particular getting older. And I'd be lying to say if I don't feel pressure uh, to be on and always kind of look good. I think about the Lana Del Rey song a lot, Young and Beautiful. Will you still love me when I'm no longer young and beautiful? When I got nothing but my aching soul. And you just start to think of it as you age. I mean, you know, you look at the past pictures and, you know, when I was 18 and I was in that peach bikini and I was looking like a hottie. I, I mean, at 54, it's a very different look, but that's okay. I've got so much more going on now than I did at 18, but still so many people, like the 18-year-old bikini shot's going to get a lot more likes than the 54-year-old me. And that's just where we are. But for me, once I came to terms with turning 50, I felt like it's been liberating because my children are older and I am content personally. And just like in the 40s when you start to care less, I care even less now about what people say or think of me. And I feel like I'm also kind of the internal pressures that I put on myself, I've lessened. I still watch my diet and exercise and try to be the best possible me, but I also cut myself some slack and say, you know, I'm 54 and, you know, all these, these lines and wrinkles and things that I have are a part of my story. Also, that backhanded compliment that I began with, I just think that the next time you look at someone and in your mind you're thinking, wow, she looks so good for your age, just drop the for your age part and just say, you look so good. You look so good today. And just don't say for your age because the ageism is uh, such a negative and it just brings those people down. And I know you're meaning well, but just think about it. Wow, that was a long soliloquy. Yeah. <laughs> do you find that men are less patronizing or do less mansplaining towards you as you go through the years? 
I think what happened was the Me Too. Me Too woke up a lot of men, and I think people now just think, and also I think women now will call out. I mean, I will call out racism, I will call out sexism, I will call out ageism, and a lot of women will. And men now can't do what they used to do. I don't know that it's a matter of, you know, me getting older and them doing it less, or the fact that men now are just held accountable far more than they ever have been before. What are the pressures you are facing today? How do you think women can continue to feel empowered? Well, not to be a buzzkill, but women still earn 79 cents to the dollar. If a man earns a dollar, a woman's going to earn 79 cents. So that is a reality that women of every age face. So then you compound it with ageism, and it becomes very difficult for an older woman, especially career-wise. The ageism for women is real, and we are all getting older and we are all living longer. So if this is something that we have to confront and tackle. We talk so much now about racism, right? Sexism, we've been talking about a lot. And I think more and more you're going to hear people talk about ageism because this is a silver economy about getting ready to happen. But I do think that we have to change our mindsets on aging. And old people can do tech. Old people can do AI. Old people can do all the jobs that the young people are doing. And many older people have wisdom. So I think that when you combine somebody in a workplace who has the wisdom with the youth and you put them together, I think that's when we do really, really interesting things. One of the things that I find very interesting in Singapore is because there are so many older people here that you have all these, this talk of the HDBs now, which are going to be built so that the older people can live in these communities together and everything that they will need will be there. And it's just something that we have to face and we have to deal with. Because women are better educated now, that means that they're getting jobs and they're making money. And also we outlive live men by about five years. So what we're going to see is a shift because we're going to see women who are generating and managing more money than ever. And you're going to see these women invest in things like ESG and impact funds because that's important to women. So I think you're going to see women shape things like never before. It may not be me and my generation, but it will certainly be my daughters and the listeners' daughters out there who really play an impact on this. And I find that incredibly exciting. How can one age confidently in relation to ageism in the workplace and continuing with a growth mindset? I think anybody who's listened to my podcast, anybody who follows me on social media, anybody who, you know, looks at my TikToks, attended any of my NAS Academy classes, you know that my mantra is say yes to life. And I think that as we age, if we stay in our silo and we stop learning and we only see it our way, then we will be left behind. And I encourage everybody just to read, to know what's going on. If you have an opinion on something and you are dead set on it, maybe just look at the other side and see if there's any merit in it. Maybe you don't change your mindset, but just looking at it maybe can give you some perspective on what the other side feels like. It's just being open-minded. Which of the stages in your 20s, 30s, or 40s do you feel most successful and confident? And why so? I like this question because my answer is with each decade, I love that one the most. So when, I, you know, at 20, in my 20s, it was the best. In my 30s, it was the best. In my 40s, it was the best. 50s, now it's the best. And may that continue. I think that's what we can only dream for in life, right? Is that each decade is our best. If I looked back and said, oh, my 30s were my best, that would suck when I'm 54. But the fact that I can look back and each one brought me something and there was growth in each decade, I'm really proud of that. 
I hope it continues. That's my goal. What are some of the perks of aging through the years that you have experienced? I guess the biggest perk is that, you know, they they always talk about hindsight is 2020, but the more years you get, the more hindsight you have. So you have better vision, you have the wisdom, you have the perspective, you have the, you know, you've taken many wrong paths that have taught you, I'm not going that way, but it gives you like some knowledge on where you're going. And it's the wisdom that you gain along the way. When do you think is the best age or stage of life thus far for one to truly experience? Maybe it was a month before I turned 50, my book was published, my memoir, Don't Call Me Mrs. Rogers. I was so proud that it happened before I was 50. <laughs> I mean, it was a, I was a month short of 50, but I was super, super proud. And it took me almost, uh, what, 18 years to get that book published because we finished our trip around the world. Life just got busy. To make a long story short, getting that book published made me understand and know that my persistence that had been a part of my whole life really played off and it took me forever to get it done. But it it just made me really proud of me and really proud of the person I am. What physical differences have you noticed in your body as you aged? I don't run as fast. I don't think as fast. (laughs) I mean, it's true, but I think smarter. I have the wisdom of past mistakes and past learnings. So even though there may be physical limitations, I can't do as many sit-ups as fast as I used to. I can't do as many pull-ups. I've got a bad shoulder, but now I do my pull-ups assisted. You know, I mean, you just, life happens and it's inevitable for these things to happen. You can't sweat it. It is what it is. What did you wish your mother would have prepared you for? It's interesting but because my mother had a career in a little town. I grew up in a little town with 50,000 people. And my mom had a career when most women did not work. And if they did work, they were secretaries. She was executive vice president at an advertising agency. She handled finance. So she dealt with all the money. She was the only female in the boardroom. And my mom was just amazing. She's always been a role model. But now as I get older and I deal with perimenopause and menopause, I said to my mom, you you never brought this up. You never talked about a hot flash. You never talked about your heart like beating fast. And she was like, I don't think those things happened. And I was like, mother, are you serious? And I really think that because she was in such a male-centric world and the only woman there, she could not let these symptoms be issues. She did say, I made the air conditioner. I mean, she would make it colder in the office, that kind of thing. But it was something that she just didn't talk about. She didn't bring to the fore because she was the only woman. And I guess I'm celebrating now that it's something that we all talk about. More and more people talk about perimenopause and menopause, and these are things that happen to women. And some women get really bad hot flashes, and some don't, and some have to take medicine, and some don't take medicine. But we're talking about these things now. And I guess my mom didn't prepare me for this, but I understand why. So, you know, I try to let my daughters know what's going on in my life. Uh, And maybe my mom's symptoms were mild, but I think she probably just covered and glossed them over because she was living in a male's world. Oh, another funny thing is because she was in a male's world, she would wear, she wore skirts and jackets, but she would wear like a, a, almost like a tie. Actually, I kind of wore this today in homage to my mom because she would always wear like a tie or something under her suit. That's what women did in the 70s and 80s, like that power look because they were in the room with the men. Yeah, so my mommy was a baddie and she was awesome and quite the role model. What are you teaching your daughters now 
to prepare them for what might be in store for them. I think in the old days, parents kind of didn't talk about a lot of private things. So I try to be really open with my daughters on emotions involving personal satisfaction or dissatisfaction, relationships, whether it be with my husband or with my friends. I try to be honest with them. On emotions, I try to lead by example. So I try to eat a healthy diet. I try to exercise. They see me volunteering. They see me working on important projects and issues. I think they get a kick out of my interest in social media because I really do feel like if I can do a little bit to make somebody's day better, it's worth it. I know a lot of people roll their eyes over that, but I, I genuinely I get a kick out of it and I like it a lot. I just um, leading by example. For most parents, we do a really good job of telling our kids what to do, but then we don't walk the talk. So as much as possible, I try to walk the talk. But I fail all the time. Hilton will tell you. Do you think women now? As they age over the years, talk openly among themselves and with men about menopause and also perimenopause. So I don't think I don't think most women are discussing it with men. They might discuss it with their husbands. They might say, "Don't turn off the air conditioning. I'm having a hot flash." But I do think amongst women, it's something that we do talk about. It's something I think in the last five to ten years, it's become we've become more open about this. And why shouldn't we be? It's a fact of life. Oh, and one of the things though that I hate is it's like once people think that once a woman reaches menopause, that like she has no sex appeal anymore, and that's just bullshit. We might not be able to make a baby, but we can still have really hot sex. So it's it's not like you don't die when the eggs are gone. You know, you just you just go through menopause, but it doesn't break you. And have you had this conversation with your daughters? I mean, I mean, no, not not explicitly like this, but they know that it's happening. They know that I have hot flashes. And when I was about 48, I started having these heart palpitations, and I thought I like had some disease and I was gonna die. It was like a horse was taking off, and it went on for a few months. And I went to the doctor, and she was like, "Oh, that's like perimenopause. You're beginning menopause. It's like the beginning of menopause, and it happens. And then you know you start to get high." Hot flashes. Some women decide to take estrogen and progesterone, and some don't. I feel like it's a little bit like when we talked about aging gracefully. Could you let women do what they want to do and not pass judgment? A lot of studies have shown that the. I know there was quite a bit of talk of that estrogen led to. Breast cancer, but they've done a great amount of research, and there are certain types that are okay. And it's just, just don't pass judgment on others because it's a decision that you've decided not to do it. If they want to do it, and if they're doing it, it's not for you, then it's okay. Just let everybody live their truth and find their own way and age their own. Uh, graceful way. Well, I mean, it's a little bit like you know the women who say, "I hate those ladies who get Botox. They're so fake." And I mean, if a woman wants to get Botox and it makes her feel good, then why do you care? For me,、uh, when I first went to the doctor, I had blood tests done, and they were like, "Oh, your estrogen is really high, and your progesterone is really low." And so you start just kind of figuring out. Some people take different. There are medicines you can take through pills. There are things you can spread on your body. Some people do injections. I mean, I. I have, as much as possible, I've tried to kind of go through without doing、uh, a whole lot of medicine. But I have tried different things along the way. I've never found that they helped me enough that I thought they were worth putting in my system. But if they did, I would have kept doing it. I think you just have to figure out what works for you. How are you preparing for your sixties? I am about to climb Kilimanjaro for the fourth time in my life. I'll only be 54, but this is prepping me for my 60. <laughs> as long as I can remain fit and able, it's going to carry on day to day, year to year, 
decade to decade. Maybe I'll be slower than I was last time, but I still think that I'm probably gonna succeed. And I continue to say yes, yes to life. I think that is also incredibly important. I listen to a lot of podcasts because I do this, and one of my favorite is called uh, Huberman Labs, and Dr. Andrew Huberman. Huberman is a professor at Stanford, and I love, he talks about health and fitness, and on one of his, he had a doctor on, and the doctor was talking about how all these people in their 50s start to come see him because they have ailments, and they've got issues, and they've got problems, and so he'll do these tests on them, and the people all think they're healthier than they are. And the doctor said, think, how long do you want to live? Well, I think, how long do I want to live? I want to live till I'm 90. So what you have to do if you want to live to your 90, what do you want to be able to do when you're 90? I want to be able to sit on the floor and get up unassisted. I want to be able to, do I still want to be able to ski with like my grandkids? Yeah. So, so if you think about what you wanna do when you're old, you have to kind of backtrack and make sure that you are staying fit now so that you're able to do those things then. Because there's no way, if I'm not fit now, I'm gonna be able to do those things when I'm older. So I feel like in order to prep for our older age, we just have to take super good care of ourselves now, even better care of ourselves than we think we should, because that will get us ready for the future. I work hard. Uh, to take care of myself, yes. But I also cut myself some slack, as I said before. I mentioned the pull-ups, and like I can't do pull-ups anymore. I played so much tennis, my, my shoulder is messed up. I do boxing, it's not good for my shoulder, but I really, really love it. But I cannot do a chin-up anymore. And I used to be able to do a chin-up, and it kills me. So now what I do is I have like a, a rubber band I use on the knee, so I do like my chin-ups assisted. So I still do them, but it's not like it was 10 years ago. Uh, so I think we keep pushing ourselves, but we also cut ourselves some slack as our body tells us chin-ups are no longer, babe. Okay, we'll do it the other way. What are three things you want to tell your listeners about aging? Life doesn't end when you turn 50. <laughs> uh, I feel like life is fantastic now. It's a mindset and you just have to embrace it and the haters are always gonna be out there. There's always gonna be somebody who's saying something that makes you feel like crap. And you just have to let them, like, just let it go. Let it go, because you're awesome. And I think that living your truth, it sounds hokey and corny, but I am such a believer in that. It's, it's defining what your all is, what is important to you and living that. And it might not be what everybody else thinks is important, but I think that as we get older, just being true to ourselves, being authentic, accepting who we are, saying yes to life, all the things that I talk about all the time. Yeah, we just keep doing it. I really believe that women hold up half the sky and we have to believe that. We have to act it, we have to speak it, we have to call people out and we just have to cheer and applaud each other too. And I've, I've said it before and I'm gonna keep saying this, instead of us going to the bathroom together, you know how women always do that? Let's go to the boardroom together. Let's hold each other up. Let's be there for each other. Let's not do backhanded, catty, just bullshit with women. You know, women can be the worst enemy of other women. Let's stop it. Let's hold each other up. Let's assist each other. Let's encourage each other. Let's hug each other. We got this. And it's just becomes truer and truer as we get older. We just need to be there for each other and know that I got this, you got this, and together we got it even better. That wraps another fascinating conversation to offer food for thought and a different perspective and inspire you to live life fully, professionally and personally. Hopefully you'll appreciate the tangible takeaways and meaningful stories. Message me on Instagram at Parker and let me know how we can do this better. As always, thank you for listening as together we pass the power.